Welcome y bienvenidos to Presently Aquí with Claudia, an insightful mindfulness podcast to help you discover ways to control your thoughts, emotions, fears, and essentially mastering self-love. All right. Hi, everyone. So today Hi. we're going to discuss mindful parenting with Danielle Brunson and Cynthia Pearson. Hi, ladies. Hey, how are you? Hello. So I want to introduce everyone. Danielle is a yoga teacher, mindfulness and meditation expert, public school leader and educator, and she is a co-founder of the Namaste Project. And Cynthia Pearson is a career victims' right advocate that has spent 12 years in the court system supporting trauma victims and developing trauma-informed programs. Yay, ladies, welcome. Thank you so much for spending the time with me and having this wonderful discussion. Thanks for having us. We're excited to speak to your audience, so I'm really looking forward to it. I know Danielle is too. We've been looking forward to tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so usually I start with some ice-breaking questions, and my first question is, what is your go-to midnight snack? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I have like a big reaction to that because I've just now been mindfully <laughs> conscious of my midnight snacks have not been very therapeutic. Um, they've been causing more harm than good. So I think um, more recently, my um, midnight snacks have been carrots, but with ranch. I have to have a little bit of, you know, something there. Um, but before it used to be chips and my, the harmness in that was that I, I was eating like a whole bag. You know, like, I mean, you don't eat one chip, right? Like you usually eat at least five to 10, but I was kind of more on like the 30, 40, like end of the bag chip lady. <laughs> yeah. So I've been trying to be very conscious of that and, and choosing more of a, the vegetable variety, but that's, that's been my journey. It, it's, it's very difficult, but the, <laughs> that's what I've been trying to do. Awesome. Danielle, what is your Um. I've been on a sweet kick lately, so I buy these giant candy bars that are really high-quality chocolate, so they're really expensive, and then I hide them from my kids, and I eat <laughs> four little squares of those and some fruit at night, and lately, um, I've even occasionally tossed some whipped cream on there, but yeah, a couple pieces of chocolate, that's my treat, right. and fruit, the sweet side for uh, ending ending the day. I am the salty Um, what is your horoscope sign, Cynthia? Virgo. Ooh, Danielle? Yeah, we're both 1,000% Virgos, and we, we talk about it all the time. We meet all of the rules of being Virgos. <laughs> Completely. Hilarious. No, it makes sense um, now that you're, what you know, being leaders in this specific industry, it makes sense now. <laughs> and the last question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? Oh man, that's hard, Claudia. It has to be like you have to have a like top two or three. I don't know. Right, um, okay, so well, I'll just say for right now, Mexico, only because we just got back from Mexico, so it's like you know, right on my mind. Um, but I also really enjoy going back home to Puerto Rico. That's like home slash vacation. Um, so I guess I would say those top two. Danielle's been like all over the planet, so she probably has something that yeah, or a place we've never heard of. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, anywhere that has a beach where the ocean is clear and I can see my feet and all the things swimming around, so I know I'm safe, um, is a good vacation spot for me. I'm really addicted to tropical destinations, so um, I also love going to Puerto Rico. I've been going there my whole life as well, and um, I can't say anything bad about Mexico either. Right, uh, right. But yeah, I'm I'm thinking about branching out into some other types of destinations, though. So anyone has recommendations on like um, national parks and like the woodsy vacation? Because my family is like kind of wanting to do something different, where I could sit on the beach for my whole trip and be happy. Yeah. Where did you go? You went to Seychelles, right? That's where you. I just recently um went and taught yoga in the Maldives for That's like about eighteen or nineteen days. We were gone. It was really beautiful. Lots of ocean activities, scuba diving and snorkeling, and lots of reading on the beach. And that's the best for me, honestly. I, I mean, watching I'm good with that. Stories. I was like, oh, man. right? <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. Man. It was so nice to see on Instagram. I was like, man, we need to go tomorrow. For real. Mm. 
it's that bucket list trip, you know, getting down there and and going to somewhere in that on in one of the islands is definitely, I think, on most people's bucket list. We're glad we got to do it. And I've been to Puerto Rico many times also, so I can see why that would be a favorite. There's just so many. It's small, but there's so many new and undiscovered places in that little yeah island and food and oh yeah so i i agree with that um all right so we'll start ladies um so first my question would be what was your path to self-discovery um before even leading to what you do hmm i love that question um you know i feel like this is there's not an end point to this right i feel like this the self-discovery continues um but i will say that a moment that i would i could mark like in my book <laughs> where i realized okay we are we're learning something new we're embarking on a new journey um was really in my work in the court system um, I spent a lot of years working in, with court-involved youth and individuals who experience um, victimization. And I would say like probably around like year marker eight um, was when I realized that a lot of what people were dealing with that were sort of like, was sort of like the residue of what brought them to me as a professional um, mirrored experiences that I had whether as a child or as an adult or what I had heard from family and friends and their lived experiences. And it really sort of opened my eyes to you know, the world of mindfulness, the world of um, conscious parenting and, and also just um, conscious living because it wasn't isolated to just like one moment of time of consciousness or one moment of time of being mindful of something. It became more of how can I integrate the, all aspects of my life in a framework or in um, a paradigm that believes in being conscious and present in the moment. And I think that really allowed myself and, and even other staff and, and my coworkers to really look at how can we be trauma-informed in a way that honors people's experiences outside of just even the reason that brought them to us, right? Um, and that, you know, really seeing people for their whole selves. Um, and I think once we started to recognize that and like recognize a human aspect in, in the work that we were doing, um, it became this journey for all of us to really deepen the work that requires self-healing um, and that also helps heal the person that's in front of us too. Um, so I would say around that time would be like the marker of, okay, I really need to acknowledge, name, and um, recognize the things that I carry, the baggage that comes along, you know, like how many bags are you checking in today? Um, <laughs> well, there's, there's quite a few. Um, and then also like helping other people recognize that too. You know, it's not what happened. It's not you that's wrong. It's something that happened to you, right? That kind of conversation and, and bringing up those topics. Um, but yeah, that, that was probably like an eye, eye marker or, or, or point in time in my life where I was really opened to these concepts beautiful beautiful yeah it seems like um the mindfulness is usually the baseline of everyone's like oh wait a minute right so it's beautiful to hear uh danielle what was your self your path to self-discovery like um i think we all have like when we talk about these things, it's typically something kind of shocking or um, that kind of jolts us into making changes. At least that's what I get when I work with people quite often. I've been in the space of trying to be more self-aware and, and doing what a lot of people have joked around with me about, like being real hippie or like kind of this or that or woo-woo um, since I was in my 20s. But I think I really found it and got deep into it. Uh, probably right when my youngest was around two or three, I was just going through a lot. And I remember laying on my yoga mat and crying, you know, how you get those really good, hot, sweaty cries at the end of a good yoga class and everything just kind of came together. And, um, I just, the, the teacher had been talking about how we make choices. And I, I thought to myself, I don't have to live this way. Like I have choices. Um, I was working like 70 hours a week. I had a really high pressure job in, um, in education at that point, I had left being a principal and was coaching other principals. It was really intense. 
And I just thought this isn't the the way I want to do things. And it really, it was just for me. It was like, I want to be happier. I want to have less stress. I want my body to feel better. I was getting um, flare ups of pain because of the stress I was having. And it just really inspired me to make some major changes. And it, I think it was pretty quick. It was like six months later, I had quit my job and I was like, I'm done, I'm out. And um, things have been moving along really wonderfully since then. But yeah, it's those, uh, you're going through a lot and everything feels overwhelming. And sometimes that's what you need to kick you in the butt and get you into the place where you find a lot more space for joy and peace. And, and that presence that Cynthia was talking about that conscious living. Um, cause we're, we're a part of this society that's go, 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 bye, 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 do, do, do. Um, so it's really nice to let that go a little bit. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I do like how you brought that up, that it's usually a moment that is kind of like you fed up with yourself like I had it mm-hmm. but it's me <laughs> right or or you know just the build-up it's either or it's either the build-up I'm not doing anything or you just get tired of your own um you know bad habits and not doing the caring and the self-love and all the mindfulness and just consciously taking care uh, taking control of your life right um I think that's that's pretty and why I like asking this question because we all struggle a different way to get to that part right like you were Mm -hmm. in your yoga mat you were in court so it's 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 a beautiful um journey right we all travel in different way to become uh these healers so thank you both for sharing so much um so my next question is what was your pivotal moment from that self-discovery to become who you are today and, and the things that you offer oh wow um, I would say my pivotal moment was um, recognizing that I had a, a lot of unlearning to do of behaviors that had been modeled to me and um, things that I just had seen, you know, throughout my life. And there was moments in like intimate relationships where I just knew like, this is just cyclical now. Like this is just me. This is a trauma response, you know, like kind of getting into that part of of probably our conversations. But, um, you know, I, I really started to isolate behaviors that I knew were harmful and they didn't serve me. Um, and that was the point of me realizing like, I do have ownership. I do have agency of myself to navigate the space, but also make, like you said, better choices. And I think we've, we've, a lot of us, I would venture to say, have been um, raised or even been exposed to ideologies of like either or, right? And it's like a, or a singular decision has to be made versus no, we can do this and, or it could be this, but, or, you know, however that looks. And, um, I think putting myself in this box that felt comfortable, that felt safe because I was just familiar with these, these behaviors um, was, was not doing me any good. Um, And so I knew I had to kind of break out of that and learning that through mindfulness practices, learning that through, um, you know, um, being more conscious in in the way in which I move, you know, the way in which I live my life um, really allowed me to see beyond like that immediate moment, like, what is my end goal here? You know, what do I really want to achieve? And is it a higher learning or is it a more fruitful relationship? Um, you know, embarking on these like positive choices was really impactful for me to regain ownership. Like, you know, you kind of feel like someone else is driving, right? Like we're just going and going like Danielle mentioned, and we're just doing what feels safe and once we step out of that then we realize like wow we really were limiting ourselves Mm -hmm. there's so much more out there um and yeah I just try to do that even with with my family and and certainly with my son like stop having like a limiting belief in everything because that keeps us safe and and you know it's it's being in that uncomfortable moment or uncomfortable zone that draws out those growing edges Danielle, what was your pivotal moment um, to become where you are today? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm still having them, you know, I feel like I keep getting these moments. Um, and it's a beautiful journey to have since I've moved into this space. Um, I wanted to start working with other people more when I really started to reap the benefits of practices. And I was like, wow, how come nobody taught me how to do these things when I was growing up? That was really something that resonated with me a lot was I was 35 and um, while I had had a, a mindfulness practice somewhat, it was not what it needed to be. It was very like pieced together and it was mostly through practicing yoga in studios and it was random. Um, and then now as I work with kids and we teach them breathing and I, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have had this. Right. So I remember just being at that age and sitting there and thinking um, what an impact this has had. I want more people to have this. And, you know, it was really nice to allow myself to shift from a very driven endpoint of this is the career I want into something completely different. So also, you know, trying to share that. But I think even in the past year during this pandemic and working really closely with Cynthia, I've had another huge moment and a huge shift towards understanding myself um, through this trauma-informed practices that she has opened me up to and that some training I've been doing has really shown me a lot about things that I carry. And it's, again, pushed me to want to work with people even more, especially in our communities where it's not talked about. Um, so really wanting to work in black and brown communities with the ideas so that hopefully it will be less and less people that realize this randomly at 35. I also think about how many things had to happen for that to get there and how one little thing maybe I wouldn't have, and I'd still be living that kind of a sleep life that I had up until then. Um, so it's moments like that where I've, I've always naturally wanted to teach. I mean, I was an educator before. I've worked with kids my whole life. I've always naturally wanted to care for people, but being able to do it in this way um, has been really just rewarding. Even after I teach a yoga class, sometimes I tell them, I'm like, I know you guys are grateful to be here, but I'm grateful just for you showing up. I get just as much out of sharing this kind of practice with people sometimes that they do. Um, but yeah, so I, it's a series of moments and I'm just so grateful to people and with you guys as well. It's always, we're always learning and growing and, and picking up on new things. It's true. Mm -hmm. understood right that giving is is a gift not receiving mm -hmm. right and then by giving you fill your cup it, it's not like you're taking away but obviously it it, it depends on what you're giving <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so if you're giving all of yourself to somebody it's different it's more about having a community and what is it that you're sharing you know you're you've coming from a place of you understand your your childhood your trauma that led to something you didn't expect to now be giving because of those things of the struggles and the suffering and now you see that oh like Danielle was saying like if I had known that mm -hmm. I would have been doing this I mean I'm in that same like had I known um, mm -hmm. but we are here now and even though we are you know not in our 20s but we because of experience and because of time Right, we're able to now speak on it in a more in, in a place of wisdom versus knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I, I really love that. Um, and you both, you know, we've had many conversations, and you both bring such guidance, but straight from the heart. With it's so heartfelt. Like I love talking to the both of you, mm -hmm. I really do. And um, that's why as soon mm -hmm. as I I changed everything to podcast, I was like, I need to have my ladies back and yeah. <laughs> you know, to highlight the beautiful work you both do um, because it is needed. And our children, you know, all minority groups can definitely benefit from what you're both teaching. And, you know, my, my next question is a tie-in, right? Because you both work together. Like, what is the process of what you offer? Like, mindful parenting together and then plus what you do offer separately. Yeah, um, we've been, Danielle and I, it's really funny because we we work together in many different aspects, but then it was like this epiphany, almost like your question earlier, like what was that pivotal point? Um, we had this moment where we kept getting asked questions about parenting or how can parents also, you know, get involved in the work that we were doing. Um, and we were like, oh, 
yeah, <laughs> why hadn't we done this before? You know, we were parents now. Danielle's been a parent longer than I have, but, um, you know, it was like we are missing a key component in this, you know, model, right? Like, like we're, we're embarking on the community. We're talking to kids. We're talking to teachers. We're talking to staff. We're talking to agencies and corporations. But what about the parent identity, the parent group? Um, and so what we decided to do was sort of um, like truncate all of these concepts into a virtual course um, and speak to the ideas of, of what trauma is, what trauma looks like, the studies about trauma and the adverse childhood experiences from the CDC and Kaiser study um, and, and speak about the ways in which parents can be mindful and conscious in the way in which they decide to parent. And it, a lot of that came from, you know, well, what does that look like? What does that even mean? Like, are we saying we're not spanking our children? Are we saying this, you know, like, what are the boundaries? Um, but it became more of a community of, of conversations about these, these really lively scenarios that even our, we were living ourselves like the, the day before, you know, it was like, what happened to my toddler? What happened to, you know, her preteen, all these different, you know, scenarios. And we decided to really break it down to actionable steps that parents can feel empowered by that they can feel, um, you know, really comfortable in approaching their child or children with compassion with care and still have that sense of authority in their home um, and, and take away these, these old harmful, you know, traditional techniques that we were all very familiar with. I mean, we know our parents did the best that they could with what they had. Um, and it was never about like the blame game, but it was certainly about, you know, how can you as a parent unlearn some of these things almost reparent yourselves in a way right but still approach your child as 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 a as a human being you know with their own voice with their own spirit um and to nurture that um so that's what we offered is is, is a course and then um beyond that we still offer curriculum and direct services to schools and districts to also implement practices that are not retributive in, in a sense of we're, we're taking away this carceral system approach to education and we're wanting to, you know, instill restorative based practices and, and model the same techniques that we're encouraging parents to do at home that teachers can do in this, in the classroom. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a bit about what we're doing. And, and I think that, you know, again, it is about community building at the end of the day. And, None of this is easy work. It's a heavy lift. Mm -hmm. So we also approach it with a sense of we're continuously evolving. We're continuously learning from parents and from you know educators as well and, and community leaders and what's, what's needed. Um, but we found that incorporating a mindfulness practice in all aspects of a person's life and that person could be a child, that person could be an adult, and that person could be a senior, um, you know, that is where we can really disrupt the harmful um, behaviors that our society has really been accustomed to. I mean, it's something we can see right now. You know, it's not right. like you're making it up. No, look outside, look how everybody treats each other. I always talk about, like, um, you, you don't think you're that person, right? Until, I mean, when you drive, are you that person who lets the person who's trying to cut in, cut in? Do you not? So if you're, it's a exactly. no, then you're not being compassionate. You're just like, no, I'm, I'm next in line. You're all exiting the same exit. Like, <laughs> no one. Right. So why not? I'm not saying let everybody pass, but, you know, be compassionate. Like, you go, then they go, you go, you know, it's, um, but... And that's hard, you know, and to be, and to be honest, you know, that's hard work. Even that example that you're giving is so real. I mean, we are on the roads now, even probably more than we were last year, maybe. Um, so I, I know like a lot of us have, you know, heightened anxiety anyway, um, just for being back on the road and then like navigating new traffic patterns and, you know, you just don't know, but then at the same time, you know, we're trying to be conscious and, and how we show up in a vehicle, literally, <laughs> and how we are driving, and we're all driving, we all know we're driving probably the most dangerous piece of equipment mm -hmm. on planet Earth, right? Um, but yeah, it's hard, you know, road rage is real, and, <laughs> and I am, 
I suffer from it. Um, but we're not trying to be perfect. No, no, we're just no. trying to be mindful um, of these small decisions, okay. like these small choices that lead to bigger ones. For sure. And I, the reason I bring it up because people mostly listen to podcast driving. So <laughs> that's true. So right now, take a deep breath. Danielle is going to guide us through yeah. some breath work. <laughs> sure. And it's just what it, why I bring it up. It's also a teachable moment, right? Like for you, while you're out there, like, oh, okay, what's happening? What's going on through your mind? Why are you so upset? Right. Why, you know, take that moment to really dissect and use it as a mindfulness, just teaching moment for yourself while you're out there. And it's going to happen. You know, I think we all get a slight moment of road rage is not it's really difficult not to but it's a good moment to you know, just start questioning you know the way is this something you do all the time are you always angry you know that mm -hmm. also needs to be looked at is it only sometimes is it all the time so anyway um that's why i always bring it up yes anyway. mm -hmm. i was gonna say i think it's important to like note that it's okay to get mad at some jerk cutting you off what we need to be mindful of is how we respond to it right like it's getting the rage and the anger or the frustration at work at with your kids at with your partner all of that stuff is normal it's more just like pausing and being like okay before um when my partner would piss me off i would do this like that right snap my fingers it's happening or this guy would cut me off and I would flip him off and honk my horn right but now because of my ability to be more conscious and present I can pause and be like this person who just cut me off or gave me the bird or is honking at me and this happens a lot I live in Atlanta and I live downtown um I get the the angry people all the time and I'll have my kids in the car and I just kind of look at them and I almost feel bad you know I'm like I'm not mad that you're doing this to me I feel bad for you because you're in a car and this is so insignificant, but it is going to ruin your whole day. I can tell by your mm -hmm. faith that this has ruined your whole day. And it's just being more responsive versus reactive. And it's just like we said, it's the little things. Um, I've been really applying that to my life in general. Like, remember I used to never push the grocery cart back into the spot. Now I do that every time. It's like these little <laughs> yeah. things that make up who we are. Yeah. And when you're making concessions in your behavior and how you treat people and how you respond yeah. to these little things when you get to a big thing yeah. it's a lot easier to make a decision that doesn't go in line with how you're trying to live your life because you've done 10 other small things all day that weren't in line with it yeah. so i think the little things are more important quite honestly than the big ones because they they build into really everything that there is about you i love the example of the driving it's so real so, and also like how you just mentioned that you had your, your kids in the car that's also another moment for the parents right to just either you're going to show what do you want your kids to see do you mm -hmm. want them to see this angry ragey every time you get in the car eventually they're not going to want to get in the car with you right if mm -hmm. you're always this rager <laughs> so <laughs> yeah definitely um danielle what um what do you offer i know you have your namaste project what what are some of the work that you do um, with, with your business? Yeah, um, and Cynthia just recently joined us as a principal consultant. So it's been amazing to have her like <laughs> officially on board because we've been relying on her trauma-informed right. experience. Um, and we were finally like, let's make this official. Let's just boo up. And <laughs> great. So we, we work with schools mostly. We also work with corporations and nonprofits and, and businesses on how do you implement mindfulness into, um, as Cynthia talked a lot about the schoolwork we do, which is our main meat of our, our company is to work in schools, especially in schools with people um, that typically aren't exposed to this. And I know this from experience. I'll go to an affluent school and I'll ask the kids who's done yoga and more than half of them raise their hand. And then I go to inner city schools that we work with and I'm like, who's done yoga? And you get spatterings two or three. Um, it's just a different exposure level and we're seeing it change, but it's not happening um, at the speed that I would like. Right. So we work with a lot of schools that are Title I, so the income levels are low. Um, a lot of schools that are, are mainly black and brown and just bringing in social-emotional learning. How can you be less reactive? How can you use breath work? How can you use meditation and mindfulness and yoga 
um, not just for teacher or for students, but for teachers. So we try to work with staff because if you got a bunch of kids breathing and doing yoga and the teacher is using shame and anger in as a classroom management tool, it's not going to work. So we do a lot of work in with the adults as well. Um, actually, we prefer to work with adults, but schools really like direct services. So we offer that too. Um, so that's been a great Great job to be in this past year and a half as kids have so needed social emotional support and they and schools are finally starting to realize it because they're like, oh, my goodness, there's a lot of trauma happening. We should do something. Um, so Cynthia has been great resource and a wonderful partner. We just recently worked with a, a district and it was really closely and it was such a great project to be on. Um, and then we do the corporate work as well. So, you know, businesses. And they want to support their staff now. It's nice to see that. So teaching them mindfulness, giving them tools, teaching them how to listen to each other. There's so much drama in a workplace, you know? A lot of it comes from that lack of compassion that we just talked about. The lack of just empathetic listening. Like, you're having a problem. Can I hear and see you? And then you can go back to your job. So we work with a lot of um, companies on that. And then my personal passion is always to get yoga and mindfulness to people in a way that feels accessible. Um, Cynthia is a great supporter of like the classes I do around Atlanta with a friend um, that is like hip hop theme yoga. You know, hey, you've never done yoga before. It's scary to you. You're like, what is this weird thing? Nope. Come and do it to Kanye West or Outkast and have a beer and just make it feel really accessible. And then, you know, you get in, you're like, wow, that was awesome. And then I'm going to hit you with all the philosophy and stuff like that. You know, a couple of classes down the road. And then you become a vegan. And then, so yeah, like- <laughs> you know, you're like, you know, waving crystals around and saging your, your partner. So, you know, my husband's friends have, have made fun of me since we met like 15 years ago. They're like, your wife is such a hippie, but I I've weaning, I'm pulling them in and I'm pulling everyone in that way. So yeah, my passion is really just making it accessible and making it more about mental health and not, physical appearance. Um, you know, I'm a plus size fitness instructor. So I really try to make everybody feel like it's a space for them. You don't have to be a 25 year old, you know, size two to six blonde woman, which is the image of yoga to practice. You can be in a wheelchair, you can be any weight, you can be any age, and, and you can just reap so many mental health benefits from this amazing practice that you know, comes from a, a country that doesn't even look like what we see in the media when we, we think of yoga. So that's been a, really a space I've been trying to occupy a lot more, um, which has been hard for me because I didn't want to embrace the, I'm going to be the plus size yoga teacher because I didn't want that to be my identity. But then I realized that so many people need to see that and hear and be there with that and um, see, you know, not just white faces and, and thin faces teaching so I've been really trying to own that a little bit as well. Um, so that's my my personal side. Um, but the the schoolwork and the work with parenting with Cynthia is just, it's been amazing to do. And we get some people in the feedback they give us where they're, we had a woman who came to one of our parenting talks and she reached out and said she was having a hard time with her daughter. And she thought her daughter was mad at her. And we were like, it's not even about you. And then right. she used our empathetic listening tools and the next day or two, she texted me and she was like, you were right. And we had this great conversation and we had ice cream and we broke these barriers. That's the work that is just like, oh, it's yeah. so amazing. So um, just working with Cynthia has been such a blessing and we've known each other a long time. The fact that our careers diverted and landed together, the universe knew we were meant to do this. And it's just been um, really powerful. It is. I mean, it makes sense. I feel like this should be a unit, you know, someone who's mm-hmm. an expert mm-hmm. in trauma and the person who's bringing the tools to help overcome that trauma, right? The right. yoga, the meditation, the mindfulness, like it just makes so much sense. And I'm so happy that now you're on board and you both are still working together <laughs> and, and just changing the world one kid at a time. And it's so important. It's so important. That's why I love the work that you both do. And, you know, I've brought this up, you know, cause we've had many chats, but, you know, as you were saying about uh, yoga and being the plus size yoga teacher. But one thing I wish that yoga teachers, adult yoga teachers would say, which is what I learned from my kids yoga training, 
was that it's as you know, it's not about how you look; it's about how you your body feels in that. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? Is that it's just learning that connection with your body. It's not about it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like oh, I can do a handstand, a headstand. It's not any of that. So we do need more people that are saying you know what it's supposed to feel like, not look like, and coming from all types of body shapes because everyone right. can do yoga. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's been so great learning from Cynthia too, is because a lot of her trauma informed practices are so somatic and in the body and it just makes so much sense. Yeah. I, my studio I work in now has a mirror and I'm like, let's turn around y'all let's face the wall. Who cares about the appearance? So that said a lot when, you know, when you named that. Yeah. Even, um, and I was new to yoga and Danielle has been my yoga instructor, (laughs) like my life, you know, Uh, my personal yoga instructor. Um, but I, you're right that moment. Cause as you, we talked earlier, we're both Virgos and I'm a true Virgo. So I was very competitive, very critical about my, (laughs) you know, the positions that I was taking on and, you know, how was engaging in the practice because I didn't think of it as a practice. I was like, no, I'm doing yoga. Like I like, as if it was like an exercise, you know, like if I was doing like a circuit training. Right. right? right. And so I had to do a whole entire mindset. Like, no, it's a practice. Oh, that means I continue working. I'm not going to be perfect, (laughs) you know? Um, And so Danielle's really good about exactly what you're saying. We're, the idea is that we're not perfect. We're just being mindful. And I can be in a class where there might be, um, you know, any type of position that I'm just not familiar with, or I'm just not, you know, comfortable doing. But I know that if I engage and and, in my mind and just be presently there, um, maybe even sit and and do child's pose, or just breathe, that's yoga. You know, that's a mindfulness practice. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Come teach my class, girl. You got it. (laughs) That's exactly right. I love that you were like, I don't know. What's this? You know, and for you, I'm sure you had a deeper understanding of being the trauma expert and why yoga is important. The movement, right? And the breathing and how it's, you can release that trauma. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the poses are very intentional. And, you know, we talk about how certain poses really help release those energies and, you know, how we can really engage. And a lot of the instructors, especially Danielle and Kaylee at the Namaste Project, will speak about specifically, okay, how does this feel? And we'll, we'll speak to, you know, the people in the class, when you're moving your arm this way, think about what is, what is your body telling you? And I think that's a missing component that a lot of us, you know, didn't get a chance to really realize as, as young adults, even, or even as children is that our body is sending us messages all the time. We just didn't have, you know, like the index or (laughs) like this, you know, the, 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 the resource manual to translate what that message meant. And, um, you know, Danielle talks a lot about that, about why we feel tension in, you know, our necks or in our shoulders and where is that source of that stress. Um, And then we can connect that information with what we know our parasympathetic nervous system is telling us and how we're engaging in a trauma response or that where this energy is sitting, does that mean, you know, what kind of, what does that energy look like? And, And really just making that discovery. Um, and I think when you, when participants get that self-discovery moment, it's an empowering moment. It's not a, oh my God, this happened to me and, and now I feel hopeless. It's no, I feel empowered but now with tools to engage in repair and in, re- in healing um, and that restorative work that is more of like a long-term goal, right. you know, that it's not like a short-term fix. For the mindful parenting, uh, what for for the parents like when you because I know you've trained many parents already. Like, what is the one thing that parents are like, oh wow, had I known, you know, from something that they learned from your workshop, uh, what is like the most popular like, uh, uh, what is the, what's the word like the uh, aha moment? I think there's a lot. I hear a lot from parents. Um, and I think and it's so lovely to see it. And I hope it's not just me because I'm in the space. Um, but the 
the idea that we are allowed to do something different, that we don't have to do what we grew up with has been something that we get a lot of, oh, I can change this without feeling like I'm doing some disservice to my parents by parenting differently um, has been a big moment. And also that um, what your kids are doing is normal, right? Like a lot of times our kids are, are struggling, especially this past year with emotions and expressing themselves and with just basic tasks. Um, and that's really common in the toddler ages too, right? Where they're coming into their own and just letting parents know that when a kid is frustrated, you're not doing anything wrong and offering ways to say, let's deescalate without shaming and all of these things. It really kind of clicks sometimes with parents when we're used to seeing a lot of sit down, be quiet, right? So like, they're just like, oh, I can approach this in a different way than I was given growing up. And now I can see that all kids do this. And instead I can give a different option. Like, let me hear you. Let me see what's going on and let me offer some techniques to make you feel better versus let me shut you down. That's like huge for parents because we are not accustomed to that. And it's not just our culture. I've lived overseas. It's many cultures where it's just kids should just sit down and be quiet and do what they're told. Um, but when parents start doing this work as we guide them or as they learn through our asynchronous co um, courses, they really are like, oh my goodness, this works too. This isn't going to make my kid a devil or not answer me or you know have a fit and target and embarrass me. This is going to make my kid want to talk to me, want to have a relationship with me and teach them to manage their emotions and ground themselves and feel better from an early age something that they're learning at the same time they're teaching it to their kid quite often. So they're feeling the benefits of it themselves. So they're just like, oh gosh, I'm teaching this to my kids right now. This is great. Um, so I think it's just that that shift mentally that, oh, I can do it this way and it's not bad. Because sometimes mindful conscious parenting has a connotation of let my kid do whatever. And that's so not what it is at all. Cynthia spoke to that in the beginning. There's such a great amount of boundaries put in place. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge moment when they're like, oh, okay, yeah, right, right. I can do this. And it's not going to make my kid like Chucky, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> children need boundaries. That's how, they're learning from you. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. you, if you let them just run amok, then, you know, that shows more of a reflection of you as a parent versus them as mm -hmm. a child, right? They're relying on you to learn about life. What do I do? Right. I don't know. I muted. I muted the world. I don't know what I'm thinking. Exactly. When Cynthia and I are raising boys, and I'm just like, sometimes I think to myself, man, whatever woman or man gets you is going to be so blessed because you know, <laughs> yes. men get shut down way more than women do, and little boys still get shut down so much. So um, when I talk to my son and I encourage him to like express and find different ways, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, you're going to be such a great partner. Um, I know I should think, I think the same thing with my daughter, but I see it so much more with little boys that it really um, sometimes just, it gets me all excited about that work and, and how they're going to get out in the world um, and be more mindful, conscious men uh, and hopefully cry a little bit in public, you know, like all men should do. <laughs> 100%. I, I think it's so important that, you know, both of you have men, uh, boys, right? Um, because society has put so much pressure on men like you have to do this provide and do and do and do and never express your emotions just be a robot and just give right. the woman everything it's like uh no <laughs> you know that's like that dynamic is why we have 50 percent divorce rate like right and all right. this like other other conveniences or whatever we're not getting into that but it's more of not having you know that open space and a safe space with each other you know no one's saying that a man should go like go cry to his friends or wherever in a random place but it sh you should be able to say what you're feeling right and right. be heard and feel safe by doing all that so um maybe it was meant to be the universe is like no we need more men healing so let's give mm. these wonderful ladies some boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i appreciate that <laughs> more and more men are showing up in our courses and our work and fathers, you know, and it's wonderful to hear them. I hear stories of them telling other men about how to parent in the same way. And um, a lot of generational stuff and gender-based things are being broken and it's, it's great. Yeah. I'll say uh, my husband is very much on a, 
more advanced journey than I am, I think, in his mindfulness practice. So it's been really great to see that too, like where as partners, we can learn from each other and grow. Um, but one of the things that I was going to say is that uh, even for children, we talk about how in order for you to regulate your emotions, you have to have been able to fully express them at some point. Um, and the same thing goes when you're speaking about like children and, and with parents and, and with re- in relationships, you know, you can't figure out how to regulate an emotion if you haven't really felt it fully. Um, and I think that's a really big component in what we're talking about, particularly with boys and, and the social dynamics that are imposed on them. Um, it's a thing for girls too, but it's in a totally different way. Um, and we can't expect young boys to, you know, be emotional and feel what that means emotional, right. If they're never, if they've always been suppressed or if they felt like there's shame in that emotion being expressed. someone know until it's expressed right how, how many of us have have been there are, are there like oh i've never right been we're crying at one point and then all of a sudden we're told suck it up and like you know and you're told to stop crying or maybe you just tell yourself you stop crying right. right but what does that do to our bodies you know how does our bodies respond to that reaction um and then it starts to create these patterns um and our brain does what it does it yeah continues a pattern, a neurological pattern. So anyway, it's about all that disruption and, and I won't get into all that, you know, well, sciencey no, stuff. But... <laughs> no, you're so right. And then you end up crying on your yoga mat like me, <laughs> you know, it's like all those tears you sucked up, they're coming out eventually y'all. It's coming right. somewhere, right. you know? Right. right. If, if not, the, you know, the body eventually builds up what you're not expressing and that's how you're, you know, either you have a condition, a health condition, a mental health condition. It's, you know, what you aren't saying, the body's going to do it. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you eventually don't ever cry, you know, yeah. cancer, there's like so many things. Like you, you yeah. know, cancer just doesn't come out of nowhere. It's just, there's a buildup. Not as saying everyone with cancer is the same reason, but that's just an example of what could happen when you are not expressing any part of your tension, just some, everything, anything. Um, yeah, it's all connected. You know, one of the things that we um, talk about with children and how to explain trauma and these responses that we're talking about, um, I use the example of a pimple or a zit, and it's the best. I, I found it to be easy for to explain um, to give like a visual. Like we know, like when you have a pimple, it's because there's all this oil and bacteria and dead skin cells that are built up under the skin surface, but like every pimple you see it come up, it gets red. And then at the top, it's that white, nasty, gooey stuff. And you have to pop it or it pops on its own. Right. Well, just like uh, these energies and trauma, mm-hmm. we have so much build up and build up and it rises to the top. And sometimes it feels like what? It feels like sweaty palms. It feels like tension around a certain person, or it feels like stress in moments where you don't feel like you're in control. You know, it's, it's kind of giving them that visual, but like you're saying, you know, the body, we, we talk about this all the time, um, you know, the body holds that memory. Um, and, and that's where we have to really dive in and, and figure out ways to release it and give it an alternative. It's so important, you know, for parents, you know, it's so important so that way you can show your children, right? Because, you know, Daniel and Cynthia can only do so much. They don't live in your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's up to you to really like start self-regulating and understanding your body, yourself, and learning from Danielle and Cynthia and all the other trailblazers out there in the country trying to help all parents teach their kids mindfulness, yoga, and meditation because it is so important and helpful, right, to deal with your trauma. And, you know, if you want to get in deeper, we have Cynthia on here as a trauma expert, I, you know, it's so important to have and understand why these things are happening, right? Um, so I wanted to ask you ladies, um, where are you offering your service? Is it only Atlanta or? Um, Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I would say like now we've, I, since the pandemic, even, even before then, really, we've been really virtual. Danielle's been in the virtual space for many years before it became popular. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we're, we're global. 
So um, you can connect with us online. Uh, we both have very active Instagram accounts. And um, yeah, we're, we're happy to connect with anyone, honestly. We, we just love talking about this. We can talk with us all night. And I know we're probably cutting on some time, but um, yeah, we're, we're everywhere. Where can people find you, Cynthia? Um, so on my website is traumaconflictconsulting.com. Mm -hmm. um, and then on Instagram is at traumaconflictconsulting. Mm -hmm. And my personal page is at Cynthia underscore TCC. Yeah, um, and you can connect through all our parenting stuff as well as our schoolwork um, through my personal site. It's probably the easiest thing, and it's simply my name. It's daniellebrunson.com, um, so that's really easy to get to, and all of my social media is connected there, and then you can connect through our mindful parenting course, um, all our yoga offerings, the Namaste Project, everything through daniellebrunson.com. And I also have you both on my website with yeah. your links, so if there's plenty of ways to reach out to these beautiful ladies and um, start your journey as a mindful parent or teacher. Yeah, Claudia, you're one of our partners and we know we have, we'd love to know where people hear about us. So what is the code for our parenting course for you? It's Aki, right? It's Aki, A-Q-U-I. So if you go to the website and you sign up, you use the promo code Aki, A-Q-U-I, uh, Daniel and Cynthia will give you, you know, our presently Aki discount. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Mindfulparentingprogram.com. I forgot to say that too. Yeah, yeah definitely. So um, one, of the, one last thing, just any last message for the listeners before we go? Hmm. Take a deep breath. <laughs> um, if you're still driving. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, you know, Danielle has helped me a lot with my breath work. And I would say that taking a deep breath sounds so basic right it's like well that doesn't do anything no it does it does everything <laughs> um really consciously take a deep breath like inhale through your nose exhale out your mouth i mean really feel that air come in and out and think visualize worry stress anxiety anger as you breathe out um let it go out i would say that would be my best tip yeah, I think this comes to my Virgo-ness, like um, just being patient with yourself, right? So when we learn parenting or we learn self-healing, um, it's not linear. You're going to fall backwards. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to yell at your kid one day. I mean, I do it. I, I have all these beautiful things built into my life and I still yell at my kids sometimes. Um, I still have anxiety as a person. Um, there's no way that you're going to become a, you know, like all healthy seeing just reacting to everything in the most enlightened way. Um, it's just not possible. Right. So just practicing forgiveness and compassion to yourself first and knowing that it's completely normal for this to be a practice like Cynthia talked about yeah. with her yoga practice. Um, all of life is like that and it's a journey and, and just, you know, it's okay if we're not always the first place and we're not always doing our best. We can start again as many times as we need to. Yeah, love it. Love it. Beautiful end words. And I want to thank any, everyone who's listening and anyone that you feel may resonate with today's conversation. Please feel free to share. Thank you, Danielle and Cynthia. I love you both so, so much. And I can't thank wait you. for the next time as always. Thank you. Thank you. Love to you. Thank you. If today's episode resonated with you in any way, please subscribe to my podcast and share with anyone that may need to hear today's message. You can find me at Presently Aki on all social media platforms. Gratitude donations are also accepted via Venmo at Presently Aki. My wish for all of you is to find the courage and strength to start the path to self-love through mindfulness because you deserve it. Remember the breath is the secret and always lead with love.